Hey there, I'm the Accidental Monster. And I'm Eternally Mortal. And this is the Hidden Egg Podcast, where we talk about vulnerability. And stuff. And stuff. And things. And things. <coughs> so, um, we're going to go through the responses real quick. From um, the last uh, episode, absolutely. Yeah. So, we got R.C. Hammond said, thank you for the mention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Welcome, R.C. Welcome back. Jenny Lane, who, uh, she was just responding to a thing that I'd said in... Excuse me. In in the article, love those. Uh huh. Uh huh. Thank you, Jenny. Good to see you again. Dennis Gorbanov, who was asking about my recovery from COVID, which I thought was really nice. That's cute. Absolutely. Yeah. We're 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 mostly okay. I I I still have some lingering effects um, that I expect will probably be around for a while, but mostly I'm I'm good. The rebuild is a little slow, but. Mm-hmm. And uh, my. Uh, struggle with my quitting of smoking, which still goes to this day, um, far outshines COVID. I barely remember that I had COVID now. Good, good, good. It's probably a good thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, Miss Peach stroking our egos. Being very sweet. Thanks, Miss Peach. Love as it. Peaches. As long as it's true, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and EA Colquitt, first time commenting i believe on our uh our podcast stuff welcome ea colquitt good to see you super excited for them to be listening natalie just fun comments Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. having fun yep thank you natalie i'll I'll continue Mm -hmm. then there was you good who had a, a bit of a paragraph but Mostly was just telling me that uh, it's okay to bitch sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, right there with you, you good. That's a good. That's a good little paragraph. I like it. And then the last one was C. Aaron with another one of his epic comments. I love it. Yes, and um, even with the mentioning within the, the comment about how you need to comment lo- lo- less, uh, C. Aaron. You don't. You don't really don't have to. From our perspective, you, you be you. At least from my perspective, you be you, and we'll be happy to see whatever it is that you wish to share with us. But uh, I understand if you personally want to go in a, in a direction not like that. That's fine. But you don't change anything for our benefit. Definitely not. Please. But um, so <laughs> so Sierran liked my uh, Pokemon stuff that I was talking about, and um, gave me this beautiful paragraph. Um, I think I have enough spoons to read it. And uh, I'm going to read it out loud for the podcast because it makes me super happy. It's all about Pokemon stats and stuff. So if you don't care about Pokemon, feel free to tune up for the next few seconds. This is just a little treat for me. Lol, yes, covering the different typing but needing to check if they have the typed moves. And don't forget same type attack bonus. Keep in mind the PowerPoint limits because you can't go back to the Pokemon Center during the Elite Four battles, so no spamming of super powerful moves that have limited PP, such as Hydro Pump. There are also things like Pokemon abilities, status changing moves, stat boosting or lowering moves, etc. Kind of reflects the complexity of human interactions, huh? Or is that too far-fetched an analogy? By the way, far-fetched a Pokemon, kind of a kind of a pun there. In the right scenario, even a level one Bidoof can beat champion Cynthia. I'll just leave that there without elaborating on what I mean. Sierra, thank you. Um, I really enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> that just made me smile a lot. So, thank you. Okay, we can we can move on. We can move on. Okay, it's it's hard to move on from from Sierra's epic comments. I just like them. They are really nice. Um, so before we move on to the actual episode of today, I, I kind of wanted to put out there that I'm sort of dipping my toes in a different sort of project lately. Um, I wrote an article about it. So for the people that tend to actually like go to my profile to check up on me, you, you probably already saw it, but the algorithm's not favoring me. So I'm going to just kind of put it here for the people that want to to hear or learn about it. Sure. I don't know. You're saying it and it's cool. Go for it. <clears throat> um, so it's called, I, I, I created a new account on Medium called the Habitropolis. Yeah, Habitropolis. And um, I, I if, if you want to learn more, I'm going to leave a link in the description wherever you're hearing this, wherever I can put the description. 
about like to the article that I wrote about it because it kind of explains in depth more about it. Mm -hmm. But it's not, I don't know. I don't want to say a whole lot because I already wrote a lot about it. But I just wanted to put this out there just in case anybody isn't getting my articles because I haven't really written a whole lot. So the algorithm is not, not favoring me. Well, also your, your, your inner muse is kind of pointing you in a new direction and you're a little excited about it. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's totally cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I don't, I, I don't, like one of the main points um, that I'm doing is that I'm not doing the... Um, the scouting for followers thing. Mm -hmm. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, but I think that I've done it more than I should have because I, I feel like I skipped over some lessons about writing on Medium that I would have gotten had I never learned that I could scout for followers. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm, I'm kind of going to do it that way. That way the, the people that I end up getting on that account, I'm not, I'm not asking people for follows. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out there for people who are interested in what I'm doing because they followed me and they, they're right. interested in the reading. But I'm not saying this as a like, oh, please go follow me. I need it. No, it's, it's not one of those. It's one of those like, if you're interested, please, here's the thing. You don't have to follow me, but if it's something that you like, when you read it or you just want to find out what it's like, you know, and you don't want to have to do anything but wait for it to pop up on your feed, then, yeah, go ahead and follow it, and that's cool. So it's kind of a, an experiment of, of sorts. Mm -hmm. we'll, see we'll see how, see how it goes. goes. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so this episode was supposed to be about workplace stuff. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, this, this episode is uh, about vulnerability in the workplace. And this time, we uh, have no notes. We're going to be just ripping yep. off of it based on whatever your brain and my brain come up with in the moment about workplace vulnerability. And I work in a workplace, like a corporate workplace, that has both like manufacturing, office, and like warehousing elements all kind of wrapped up in the same facility. Um, so political. Not like, not like American political, but like bureaucratic political, like, your, your, your workplaces. Yes. Uh-huh. It's, well, it's a corporation. I kind of feel like a lot of corporations are like, it's an international corporation as well. And so like, uh, the, the necessity to be specifically political is very high tier when you have to deal with many countries. You know what I mean? Right. Because your rules Well, more than be, one. As much as you can, you want your rules to be consistent across all your locations. And also not be illegal in either country. Or in any of the countries that are associated. Yeah. Exactly. So it can be difficult for the vulnerability of an, of an individual to really exist within a corporation. And anybody that has worked in a corporation for a significant amount of time in an office uh, aspect or in like a warehousing or manufacturing aspect is going to know that like the individual is pretty regularly ignored for the benefit of what that individual can provide to the company. I actually think that that's a lot of the reason why people like to, like, they want to be entrepreneurs. They want to strike out on their own because that's how they can be, they can get their money and be an individual. And what you're talking about is like you as a person inside this corporation, you're kind of like a no person. Because each individual inside that corporation doesn't really matter to the corporate. Like, it's not that the, even the best corporations are made up of people that aren't really able to share their true individuality. Right. Through the co company, through their work. Exactly. You're going to have, you're going to have some of the uh, top level executives that make a lot of the decisions, become the face of the company. Everyone at the facilities usually knows who that is. You're going to have your uh, VPs in various regards that are going to have some of that same clout. You're going to have mid-level managers that are known by the people on the ground. And then you're going to have those people on the ground. Those people that don't matter from a lot of perspectives. But they're the what, what makes the company keep in the, spinning. In the last several decades, I don't, I'm not going to say exactly how many because I, I didn't do the research for this or whatever. But in the last several decades, the concept of our employees are our greatest asset has become pretty uh, hyped. Yeah, let's say hyped. 
throughout a lot of corporations. So a lot of corporations, part of their mission statements and shit uh, uh, include uh, employees are our greatest asset. And the ideas of human resources have been, been pushed for several decades now, if I'm not mistaken. And that idea of human resources as a department within a corporation has evolved a lot since like, let's say the 50s. I'm pretty sure we had HR in the 50s. I'm pretty sure we had HR way back, but I, I'm not, I, I again, did not do the research, so I'm not going to go places I don't know fairly well. And okay. human resources became a lot more... But it, so I think it started out as keeping the humans uh, pacified and willing to work, and as it became more and more difficult to do so, as more and more conflicts arose... And more and more rules had to be established for what to do in the, in the instance of those conflicts that like it just became this elaborate manual of what to do when human conflict happens and so finding your own actual vulnerability is impossible for a lot of people in corporations because it's all about trying to figure out how you can fit yourself into the rule set without harming yourself that will benefit you the most and so even paying attention to the people around you is difficult in certain circumstances within corporations. Well, I find it interesting that you mentioned the whole, like, HR is basically designed to manage conflict because conflict is a big part of vulnerability. Uh-huh. And having somebody kind of, like, as a corporation swoop in and tell you the rules of how this conflict is supposed to go mm-hmm. or you get fired, it takes out that learning experience you would get from having a conflict with another human being. Right, right. And, you know, you can take what you said there and and think about the perspective of, like, well, this just goes back to, like, certain, quote-unquote, less civilized times when a conflict in the workplace led to a fistfight. You know what I mean? And, like... Maybe, but I feel like it's actually dumbing us down so that we have fewer conflicts and therefore learn how to deal with conflict less. Because we have less experience with it. I agree. And I also think that a part of it is, to a certain extent, erasing some of our individuality. Yeah, I do. I do think that, too. And uh, not for everybody. There's going to be, and everyone that's worked in a corporation knows some people that, like, actively fought against that. That there were more themselves. that That their personalities were a little bigger. Like, they seemed to be trying to protect themselves from that. But there's still a lot of people that are just going to kind of go with the flow. That are going to want to have as conflictless an experience as possible because most people are just trying to survive most people work at jobs especially at corporations office office type work and manufacturing type work and warehousing type work most of those jobs are not the passion of the people that are working those jobs they're not there because they just super love the forklift or they super love the machine that makes the parts that they create or whatever you know, or they super love their yeah, best my, job. My stepdad, my stepdad once worked in a factory that made boxes. Right. And it really, like, I was, I think I was like 14 or 15 at the time, and it really, like, put into my brain that, like, who's going to have a passion of making boxes? I mean, maybe there's some, you know, kind of weird people out there that, that, that that's, you know, oh, my God, that's amazing. I do like hoarding boxes. <laughs> Sure. So, like, I guess I might be one of the few that, that could potentially develop a passion for making boxes. But in these, I, be, I believe it was just cardboard boxes. It wasn't, like, elaborate, like, sure. wooden-designed boxes. No, just basic bare-bones boxes. Basic bitch boxes. And you don't think about those being something that, like, people have to make those. Absolutely, somebody has People to are employed those. at a company... That makes those. They're everywhere, and we don't really think about that. And there's no way that person, like, 99% of the people that are working at those jobs aren't sitting around being like, yes, yes, my pretty boxes, feeling like they're being fulfilled as as an individual by the production of doing their job. Right. It's, it's just not the way it works. No. And, you know, a company can, can treat their employees well and make them feel happy in that regard. Um, depending on how well they treat their employees because like my job has pretty damn good benefits and so like the mindless work that I tend to do at times 
I don't mind so much. I just do the best I can with it because I appreciate the the um, the benefits. Yeah, but when when you're at work, you have other ways of expressing your vulnerability. Well, and, I was going to. Yeah. I was going to kind of get into a little bit more about vulnerability in the workplace, you know, because we've been kind of just talking about what the workplace is and why it, it's it's impacting vulnerability in the first place, but. I think it's really important to make sure you keep a sense of yourself at a corporation because you're not necessarily going to find anybody there that's going to care about your vulnerabilities. And so a lot of times showing your vulnerabilities at a corporation is inviting pain in a way that is not going to necessarily be building what you want to build through yourself. I think for people who aren't used to resolving conflict very often or easily, or sometimes at all, mm -hmm. that is a dangerous precedent to set uh, of being vulnerable at the workplace. Because if you don't know how to resolve those conflicts, you don't even know the first thing about what you do when a conflict arises based on something vulnerable about yourself. That is the workplace is a terrible place to start, you know, mm -hmm. because you could get fired. Yeah, or worse. Or worse. Probably. Because Potentially. Especially when you start working in a place, all those people are strangers. You have no idea who they are. And, like, let's kind of de define um, being vulnerable in the workplace. Like, if you start... What I'm really talking about here... You can talk about, like, personal info, like where you live and your social security number and shit like that. And, like, yeah, that's vulnerability. <laughs> if somebody knows that shit, you, you could potentially be in trouble if they're an asshole. But, like, I'm really kind of talking more right now about, like, emotional vulnerability, about sharing who you actually are with the people that you work with. And that can be very difficult. For some marginalized groups of people, that could be a life or death thing. It could absolutely be a life or death thing. With certain... I am not trying to dox myself in any way, shape, or form, but I work with people that are certainly homophobic and transphobic and some of them are even kind of openly racist and that's that's my day-to-day -day. Uh, and so it can be difficult to even want to be vulnerable with your coworkers sometimes because you don't get to choose who they are or what they're into or what their beliefs are you, you may not have similarities that you can connect with through people but i'll tell you go ahead i that's another thing about the you know people choosing to to do things because i know a lot of the people listening are from medium and they they either are trying to build their own kind of company of their own thing or they're trying to you know carve their own path in the world without a company with like that and i think a lot of the draw to that is that even when you have a team you get to choose who's on that team and the, if the people don't mesh it's a smaller group that like even if you're not the head honcho on the team you could be like hey, you know if you and the head honcho mesh but then like they brought in you know somebody else a sound guy and the, the sound guy is really like fucking up the mm -hmm. the vibes then you can go physically talk to the head honcho and be like i don't know that this guy's working out and then it's that guy's job or gal to resolve the conflict somehow. Mm -hmm. Again, coming back to if you're not good at resolving conflict, these are the things that, you know, are going to be, they're going to be challenging. Yeah. Because trying to work as the head of something, like if you can't resolve the conflict, then it's just going to make your life hell. Right. You're going to try and outsource it, and it may not necessarily work because human conflict is a very, it's a very, very interesting beast. It is very difficult to pin down, and it is very difficult to predict. It could go in so many different directions. And American corporations have been trying to fine tune, to hone their HR in such a way that it can take care of anything, and it'll never happen. But they're going to keep trying, and that's fine. Well, I mean, that's kind of everything. Yeah, yeah. Science, medicine, I mean, everything is always trying to do everything and very few, I, I don't know of any singular thing that I can say that is going to get to an actual end of mastery. Sure, of course, which is part of the fun 
in a way, of being human. You can never be perfect at anything, but you can keep trying to get there forever, um, for your whole life. I mean, it's fun if you're not a perfectionist. <laughs> sure. What I was going to say earlier, and I'm, I'm a little concerned, actually, about saying this, like, on the fucking internet, but, uh, all of those people that I work with, I find things about them that I can interact with them about in a positive way. Yes, and that, I think, is where your style is of, of being a vulnerability in a workplace is, is sorely in need. Oh, really? Yeah, because the country that we live in, a lot of our media and, and influences are divisive. If people aren't enough like you, then they're not worth talking to. They're not worth reasoning with or empathizing with. That's the that's the climate that we live in. Wait, I'm, say that again? That people, the, the media that we have, the basic environment that we live in is one where there's this undertone of influence telling us that if a person isn't enough like you, if they're not on your side of the uh, line, yeah, 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 okay. then, then you shouldn't even bother empathizing with them because they're too far gone. They're yeah. terrible people on the on that other side. And and like you said, you work with people that they kind of are openly racist, openly homophobic, openly transphobic. They're openly intolerant of somebody. Right. And somebody that I either care about or am. Right. But instead of taking that as, as a, a, a hostile work environment, which it is, I'm not saying that it's not, but instead of looking at it like that, you actively look into them to try to find the place where you can connect to them. Right. And I'm going to kind of expound upon that a little bit. Because, but before I do, actually, I want to say, because it's very important that the, the way that I do this is that I deny myself to these people. I have to hide myself and deny myself to while I'm talking to Which isn't to very people. vulnerable. And uh, some people, for some people, it's impossible. Some people are not able to deny themselves in this specific way, it seems like. Um, and I get that. And so this may not work for everybody. But what I've found in being a lot more silent and observing when I get to know people is once I learn who they are, I have the ability to find the common ground that I can have with them. Because I've never met anybody that I didn't have a little bit of common ground with. And I'm going to do my best not to specifically call out anything that could call out anybody specifically. Right. <laughs> um, but through the few years that I've been in this in this um, area of the company, um, I've learned to connect with one person about music and with another person about like family life and like raising children and stuff and another person about like just humor and comedy and like another person like um i already said the music thing oh with effort and working out like there's all kinds of facets to people you know i know that you said that you kind of deny yourself to do this but i would i would argue that we could reframe that as you set boundaries within yourself about which which things you can be comfortably vulnerable about or not even comfortably just what things you can be vulnerable about without jeopardizing your job or without jeopardizing the work relationship you have with these people and i think that, that we we kind of touched on in previous episodes how setting boundaries is absolutely an important part of vulnerability you can't just have carte blanche well no it is carte blanche because that's when you when you choose pick and choose. Right? Oh, is that what that is? I think so. I don't know what it is, so I can't help you here. Sorry. We anyway, you can't have universal vulnerability where you're just yourself, one hundred percent to everyone. That's never going to happen. And if anybody who believes that that is possible is denying the impact that they have on other people, they're probably narcissistic, because sometimes being yourself hurts other people. Yeah. And so we have to all set boundaries for ourselves and for other people so that we can get along and find the things that we can relate to, that we can be vulnerable about, and that we can connect through. Right. Otherwise, what 
all we're going to end up doing is just pushing each other away. So yeah. I think, I don't think that you necessarily have to shut off your entire self because obviously you are, when you're talking about music, you're not talking about somebody else's likes. You're talking about your preferences in music. Right. Sometimes I tailor it depending on who I'm talking to. <clears throat> like, you know, some specific people have specific tastes in music. And so the things that I enjoy out of those specific ta tastes are what we'll talk about and enjoy talking about. So you and set boundaries will, within boundaries. And I occasionally will extend it slightly outside of that music taste and see if um, broadening that category is um, something that they're into. And I found some success here and there about it. And I found some people that I feel like, you know, they shared something of themselves with me and I share something of myself with them. And I love that. I love that, that connection, that human social connection. But yes, sometimes I walk into the break room and I hear people complaining about trans people using the bathroom of their choice, for instance. And, and you just think, why does this impact you? Why, oh, why, do you, why does this so affect you? <laughs> so many thoughts. But I usually avoid the conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, boundaries, again. I, and I, I just can't take it. Like, I, I'm just too weak. From my perspective, I'm just too weak to be able to have out that conflict because I know these people. I talk to them about their interests. I know exactly how far they're willing to go and how far they're willing to listen. And I could get about three words into my argument before they dismiss me entirely. And now they just don't like me. And now I have to work with them continually after right. this. And I'm so fucking privileged in this regard. Because, like, I'm so beardy <laughs> and balding <laughs> that, like, I just look like a white dude. And, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty non-binary. I don't really force that on anybody. <laughs> so... Nobody has any problem. Nobody thinks that I'm in any group at all. And so they just yeah, you, are. You pass for an average white guy. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, um, I feel, I feel genuinely bad actually that I don't just fight everybody that says some bullshit. I really do. But I also, I'm, I'm trying to maintain my mental health as well. And I would lose my mind. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, so social justice warriors that would say that in every situation that you overhear intolerance, it's your responsibility to speak up. But I would say that we live in a society. And I get that those people are strong enough that they can do that every single time and and take those hits socially and mentally but i would argue there's a lot of people who cannot there's people that deal with too much anxiety or depression or other internal battles that they you know they just can't take that on every single time and while yes we can argue that you can't you can't afford to be neutral on a moving train you also can't afford to deny your own personal needs, period. I right. mean, we all have a if capacity. it hurts you, then it's not good for you. If you can't handle it and still continue to function in society. Like, if you were to do that, if you were to try to be a social justice warrior at your job, I don't know that you could do your job. I would have a, I would have a rough time of it. There's a very few people there that are actually, like, as woke as I would like them to be. And so... I would have conflict all the time. Right. And nobody would like me. I would still do my job to the best of my ability, and maybe that would be enough to keep the goodwill that I have. But like, it's important to me to make to maintain the relationships that I have at work because I want to maintain a positive working relationship with everybody. I want I want work to be as comfortable as possible, and so I work to make everyone there feel as comfortable as possible, even with each other. Right, because it comes back to what you said earlier. You don't get to choose who you're working with. Exactly. But, I mean, yeah, you do get to choose where you work, but the, in the position that you're in, there's not a lot of different jobs available in our area that could replace this. Right. This is a really good position, a really good paying job with good benefits. The people are secondary in that case. And while it's got that whole soul-sucking quality about it 
that's the reality that most people have to deal with. Right, exactly. And if, and again, I'm going to say it again. I just want to make sure that we're being clear about this. That is certainly a place of privilege again. Yeah. You know, being able to have that choice because there's a lot of people out there that don't don't get to have that choice. There's a lot of trans people out there that they go to work and they're fucking like brutalized every day. Yeah, and it's terrible. And they don't deserve it. But I'm I, I think I'm I'm really just trying to make note of the fact that there's also a privilege in being able to choose to work somewhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it you don't have to be poor or destitute to not have that privilege. Right. Sometimes the privilege is in the job you have is irreplaceable to you, but you're not irreplaceable to them. Right. Exactly. Although I'm working on trying to be irreplaceable. <laughs> of course. Because I can play the game, I can play the corporate game just as well as anybody else, and it can seem just like a game, but, like, I'm definitely not going to try and be vulnerable during that. Like, that's going to be making <clears throat> moves and seeing all the, the paths and well, chessboarding it. That's an, uh, an interesting uh, sidebar, because, maybe not sidebar, maybe this is the path. Um, there's, there's times that I know that you've told me, I don't think you think about them as being vulnerable, but there are times where you are vulnerable in doing your job that actually helps in the workplace. Like you accept responsibility for all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things that aren't even your fault. Absolutely. And that is, that is a a type of vulnerability. You, you are then vulnerable to scrutiny and criticism. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed that you've, I assume already knew because you never really had an aha moment with it is that the more you accept the responsibility without, and this is important, without trying to justify why, why you did what you did that was wrong. Right, without that, saying, I was the reason why I did it, and it's okay that I did it because of this reason. Right, without defending yourself about it, the more people seem to not want to blame you for things. Yeah, I'm going to reiterate that a little bit because I yeah, might have gone okay. a little too fast. That's but. fair. Yeah, there's times when things happen at work. It's interesting. I could actually tell a story about today, but I don't know if I will. <laughs> Get debated. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but there are absolutely times when stuff happens at work, and I know that the person that caused the issue is not going to react well when accused with the information, and so I will take, I will just step up and say, I did this. I messed this up. Sorry, boss. Usually you do it in a way that's not a lie. Like, it's... Yeah, I can find a way to yeah, you find... blame myself for anything. Yeah, I'm that kind of You're really good. <laughs> you're really good at finding a way to blame yourself for anything. So as long as you have some hand in the process, you can just blame yourself at that point right. and say it was your fault. And, and everybody, like, when they find out, when they find out what actually happened, most people are like... Yeah, that wasn't really your fault. But they don't actually say anything to you. They're just kind of like, I don't know. I, you, yeah, I have no idea how they, what, what they actually feel about it. Nobody ever nobody ever me says anything to say like, what, Steve? That's not your fault. Sometimes people will say um, that wasn't your fault, but when they know that there's a conflict that's happened or some sort of thing that needs to be resolved <clears throat> by having someone to blame, then a lot of people just let it go. And I'm okay with that. I don't really care because. <clears throat> I've found, I don't know if this is really in line with the vulnerability podcast here, but like I've found in the cor- in corporations in general, not just this job, but others, that if you willingly admit to anything that you've done wrong, you're going to get kudos points with your bosses. Yeah, because I think a lot of the people that work in those environments are historically bad at conflict. Right. And possibly also, partially because of the HR situation. Possibly. And a lot of people don't want to admit um, failure or mistakes. A lot of people get real in their head whenever they make a mistake. They have to find a way to make it to where, like, it's somebody else's fault or it's, it's not them. Like, there's this huge, huge avoidance of guilt and blame. And I don't, I blame myself for fucking everything. I have this giant mountain of guilt and shame that I carry with me on a daily basis through my own. <laughs> You know, Stupid mind. It's Silly interesting. Mind. I, I just thought of, like, because I think a lot of that, maybe not a lot of it, but I know uh, some of it, at least, is because people are afraid of losing their jobs. So if they get blamed for the thing, then that could be grounds for somebody to be like, well, 
you're you suck at your job we're gonna hire somebody else to replace you but you started as a temp and I don't know if that would have made any difference if you hadn't but I know starting as a temp like temps are they're just blamed for everything like you just right. kind of learn to be the the pin cushion of your department well, you also, you're at. anyone that's worked as a temp probably knows some temps they're not trying real hard. Yeah, that's also true. Like, so it's easy to blame them too. So, and I'm not saying that that means that the the stereotype is valid. Certainly not. But what I'm saying is that, as me at least, my perspective is all I can share. Um, as a temp, when people just assume that I wasn't going to be good at my job or do well or care about my job, like I didn't take that offensively because I saw several temps that didn't care about their job. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, but I'll just care about my job and we'll see if it makes a difference. And it did every time. But you came from that environment accepting responsibility for things that paid like the, the people who weren't temps. What are they called? Full times. Full times. That they they didn't wanna take responsibility for mm. because you were a temp. You were there to like cast off to and then from there you started just accepting a responsibility even when they weren't doing that because you were just like why bother waiting just i mean it's gonna like it's 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 better off if i do it because i i every time i do it they're just like oh well you're you're just a temp it's fine right and, and it, you become this repository for all the mistakes and you didn't really get any negative impact from that right nothing and happened to you no never i'm still like lauded at the place at being a pretty decent fucking guy which is a little silly to me because i'm just i'm just doing the job from my perspective you know um but yeah uh what else was i gonna say i was gonna say something else um i don't know fuck it sorry nah it's fine i don't know just just it, owning up to um a mistake whether yours or someone else's and then trying to figure out how to fix it, you know, immediately being like, okay, I fucked this up. I'm sorry. What do we need to do to make it, to do, to, to make it right or to go, to go the right direction now? What, what needs to happen from here? You know, right. a lot of people are just are able to get right on that whole thought of, okay, well, what does need to happen from here and move on. And so there's not a lot of fallback from it. That might be out. what people really like about it you accepting the responsibility because instead of worrying about the conflict of who did what which always seems to be what happens if you're not involved you watch your your co-workers fight over who's really to blame no it wasn't me it was your fault no it wasn't me it was your fault right so all this time is being wasted and energy and 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 you know creating a hostile work environment and you just you just you're like you know what let's not do that just it's all my fault let's move on and instead of using the energy to do that, let's work on fixing it. Right. And <laughs> I have passive aggressively said almost exactly that before in certain situations at work where I'm like, yeah, guys, hi, fuck, this is fucking stupid. It's my fault. I fucked it up. I did the whole thing. Now, what do we need to do? Right. And you're not even involved. Right. But you're like, dude, I will take it. Just just make it my fault. It's fine. Because yeah. the arguing about whose fault it is is worse than whatever it is that we're trying to blame somebody, you know, each other for. And I'm not even, I'm getting worse at this the more I start to pay attention to and realize and care about my own emotions, you know? Right. So, like... More vulnerability. Right, more vulnerability because I, I'm taking myself into account. It was a hell of a lot easier when I wasn't giving a shit about how <laughs> I felt about stuff. Like, oh my God, it was so much easier. When you could pretend to be a robot. Yeah, basically. And now that I kind of care about how I feel, I, I kind of, I kind of, I'm working my way towards loving myself. And so someone like being an ass to me makes me like, hey, don't, don't fuck with my friend like that. You know? <laughs> like that's weird to think about myself but like that's how it that's how i come about it yeah. you know i didn't i didn't have that whole thing back in the day where someone was like you're a piece of shit and i'm like how dare you say that to me how could you think that me eternally mortal is a piece of shit certainly you would know that i as eternally mortal am not a piece of shit like i don't get it i don't get that whole pride thing i never have it sounds like you might be starting to though i don't know I can only get it through the whole don't fuck with my friend. 
Well, you know, yeah. It's a it's a start. It's yeah, I'm getting there. Something. I'll get there my own way. <clears throat> I always do. But you know, for most of us, we we do have to contend with that that instant mental defender, right? Of like somebody telling us that we're a piece of shit. No, I'm not. I know I'm not. So I so no, I'm not. Right. Fuck you. It's and like, oh. and I feel like you came at it from an angle, and you would constantly describe it to me. Of like, your perspective was well, okay. There's two ways that I could think about this. Number one, maybe I am. It's an interesting thought. Maybe I am. Maybe they're right. Right. And I, and I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. But also on the other hand, like maybe I'm not. But that's their perspective. Right. And it doesn't have to mean anything about me. Like, if I am, I can ask myself, or I can ask people I trust their opinion, is this true? And then they can, they can explain to me whether or not that is true, and we can, I can grow, we can have, you know, some, some friendship growth, it'll be a wonderful time. But even if, even if it's not true, and that person just believes that, I don't have to change their mind. Right. Because it's just another, it's a whole different other person. That's not you. I still have I still have trouble with this. Like logically, I get it. That makes perfect sense. I don't need to change their mind because I am who I am, and if they don't see that, that's their problem, right. not mine. Mm-hmm. However, there's a voice in my head that's like, no, they need to know because it's objectively untrue. I know uh, it's, it's 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 the autism, I think. Maybe I think there's a lot of people <laughs> that feel that way, and not even just that it's objectively untrue. I think a lot of people are like they're not allowed to feel that way about me, <clears throat> about me. Right. Like, I think that there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand that you don't get to control the autonomy of how others view you. Yeah, it's hard. Because you're told that you're supposed to. If you, the whole birds of a feather flock together, if you, like, when we were all kids in in high school and stuff, I I don't know about you, but I was taught that, like, the people that you hang around, that's, that's how people view you. So you have to hang around... The, the right you, people. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you hang around the wrong people, then people are going to think that you're like them. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so, like, that's just one of many different things. And then for women or, you know, female presenting, it's it's a how you dress. Are you slutty? Are you respectable? Sure, sure. Are you fierce? Are, like, everything, every, ty- every possible clothing type that exists, it has an impact for how people view that woman that men often don't have to contend with. I think it's becoming more um, balanced in a certain regard. I think so too. I think but, men are becoming more and more judged by but that. But these are just these are just examples <laughs> yeah, of how yeah. like we're taught even men are taught that too like if you let somebody you know get away with something then you're you're appearing as though you're weak-willed. Right. I mean, you could even go back. You could even talk about the the Will Smith slap, honestly. Because right. like, get get your wife's name, get my wife's name out your mouth. Like, that's not your responsibility, bro. Right. And so there's there's a lot of pressure on each one of us to do our best to present ourselves to the world as we believe ourselves to be, or as we want the world to see us. So it, it gives us this illusion that we have an impact on how other people see us. Mm. But it doesn't take into account that it, it requires them, anything that we could do to influence other people's perspectives of us requires that other person to be open to what we're trying to present. And a lot of people are too close-minded. Or caught up in their own shit. Or caught up in their own shit, which closed their minds. Sure. It's not like they're close-minded as a person, but like maybe in, in this moment they're close-minded because of what they're going through right. they just can't always see that mm-hmm. and so they're going to see what they see and it doesn't necessarily match up with what you're presenting right exactly they that can... is so hard to contend with it is absolutely but but perception is such a, a flimsy whimsical floaty little bitch like it's hard <laughs> to pin down anywhere it is but the, like there is something to that whole first impressions thing uh-huh as soon as somebody's, it's not even first impressions. As soon as my perspective of a person has been sullied, it is difficult for me to rebuild that to right. something positive. 
Yeah, I know. That's a lot. I like that. And that's even when I want to rebuild it. If I don't want to rebuild it, but they do, I mean, they're they're kind of screwed. Uh, I'm going to just like throw out there because uh, I want this concept to exist in the world as many times as possible. But like, we don't need an enemy. We don't need an enemy. Uh, there's a lot of this world that seems to be based around making sure that we are not like our enemy, our opposite, the people that we don't like, the group of people that we've decided are just not good enough or whatever. Like, we're all just autonomous human beings bumping into each other. There's enough, there's enough conflict and difficulty in pure entropy of the universe, bringing events we can't control and creating situations that we can't ever conceive of happening, that if we could just stop creating more enemies that's enough to deal with on its own right without creating an enemy of your neighbor of your coworker, of your friends right exactly and i'm not even just saying it for their for the other people's benefit because like there's some there's some shitty fucking people out there i get that yeah, yeah. but it, it's for it's for our individual everybody's listening your your individual benefit to not have enemies. It, it takes so much of your passion, of your time, of oh your God, attention. Oh my God, hate takes so much energy. You could easily spend a lot of that effort on yourself, on trying to figure out how to love yourself more. That was one of the or first people things. people that you love more. That was one of the first things that I that I changed about, you know, this miraculous trans, transformation that I've, I've had in my life that you've witnessed. That was one of the first, the first things was dropping the idea of, of having enemies of hating somebody of having so much emotion inside of me tied up delegated to a person mm. because the more i looked at it and the older i got the less energy i i seemed to have and i'm like well i'm spending all this energy hating this person like ain't nobody got time for that right exactly <laughs> Especially if you're holding grudges from, like, years and years ago. That just means you're adding them all up. They're all heavy on your back. Right. And I still have pain from years and years ago, but I'm learning to let go of the grudges. Right. And that's... I need to learn how to let go of the grudges against myself. Yes, you do. I'm glad we talked about this. This will be helpful for me. <laughs> I hope. Well, we kind of got a little bit off topic. I guess there at the end, it's not as workplacey as... It is sort of universal, I mean, let's, but let's it's really, still good stuff. Let's really be honest here. The topic is just to get us started talking. And then that's whatever true. comes out of our dumb face, our silly face holes, is just going to be the content. And that's that's totally fine. You only changed that because you didn't want it to sound like you were saying my face is dumb. No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm trying to actively avoid the word stupid and dumb. Because mm. uh, I don't think a lot of people, but there's some people that, that, that view them as ableist. And... Um, I don't want to offend people, so I'm trying to switch them to silly. And maybe I misperceived it. Maybe nobody sees them as ableist, and I'm just a silly, silly bitch. But that's okay. I'm still going to keep doing it, because I've already decided to for now. I, I went through a, a similar phase where I, I switched saying stupid with silly, because I was saying stupid too much, and it felt like it was... I don't know. It felt like it turned me into a different person. So changing it to silly, I, I it like... I don't have the word for it, but it, like, decreased my hostility? Ah, yes. Uh-huh. Because silly is Intimidation. Not... That's the word. Oh. I was less intimidating. Oh, okay. You just say stupid. That sounds like an attack. It feels like a word spear. Mm -hmm. But silly is like you've blown bubbles in the air. Right. At them menacingly, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But still at, at worst. But they're still bubbles. Yeah. And so they could be like, ha, ha, ha. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like everyone does when <laughs> bubbles are blown. Right. <laughs> Completely everyone. No, I, I say stupid now again because, you know, I reintroduced that word back in my vocabulary at some point. Because mm -hmm. I was like, it is still a word. And there's only one word that I can think of that I don't allow myself to say, think, or, you know, speak, write, whatever. Because I feel all words have a purpose. 
but that one particular word is not mine to have a purpose for. So, <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't, I, I, you know, the word stupid felt like it needed some love, I guess. Understood. But I understand taking it out of, of your vocabulary, at least for a time, to get more used to saying things that are a little less extreme, right. a little less hostile. Sure. And honestly, like, there's plenty of words out there. Like, I can play favorites all I want. You know what I mean? Like, I can pick up other, I can pick up other words to use and make up other words. Who to are use you to cha- choose a number? What? Fool. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Those that know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we should probably uh, probably wrap this up. It's been over fifty minutes. We did good with no plan, and uh, I'm impressed. I'm 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 happy. Mm-hmm. So you know, <clears throat> um, okay. So I guess since it's the end of the episode, I'm gonna go ahead and once again mention that we have the whole buy me a coffee thing, and we have some merch. Yes. Feel free to look at that yes. stuff if you'd like to. Make sure you're taking care of yourself first and foremost, and the people that you care about the most. And then if you have leftovers that you just want to throw away, sure, go ahead and buy some of our stuff. That'd be great. But um, I guess that's all we got. Oh, what are we doing next week? Do you know? Actually, speaking before we go to that, speaking of, have you, do you know when, because we, we, we ordered shirts. We ordered our own shirts. Oh, did we? You did. You, I, I couldn't do it because I can't buy from my own store. Oh, okay. Right. So sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know when we're getting them in, but... You know, maybe we should check on that at some point. I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited to, to wear our own merch. We'll talk about that a so little bit later fun. so I can figure out how in the hell to do that. Um, and then next time. I don't know. Oh, somebody, um, I think it was you good. No, no. It was, uh, and I never got permission from her. So I don't know if I should say. But, okay, so there's a tentative plan there was a tentative plan and the, the topic anu- oh, no right. i can announce the topic I, I just didn't get permission to say okay got it their name uh, or their I, I i didn't get permission to gotcha. identify them um but it was to just talk about complaint the vulnerability of complaints ah interesting kind of like compliments but complementary to it yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely interesting <clears throat> So I thought I thought maybe we would do that. Okay. Sounds I mean, good. we have so many other different topics that if that's not good enough, then we can always find another one. But well, as as our topics always are, they just a starting point. We'll talk about whatever the fuck we talk about. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Okay. Well, I guess that's probably the end then. Yeah, I think that's the end. Okay, well, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you coming back and hanging out with us. Um, I'm Eternally Mortal, and I hope you find smiles this day. And I'm the Accidental Monster. You can find us both on medium.com. And until next time, follow each other, follow the dopamine, and follow yourselves always.